grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Assalamu alaikum. On a Wednesday evening in September, when the school year had begun, but the night air felt nostalgic for summer, I took a seat in my very first class of my very first semester of my very first year of college. At the front of the classroom stood a tall, thin man, an immigrant from Sudan, who began teaching us students who had signed up for Arabic Language 101 a greeting. Assalamu alaikum. Literally, peace be with you. Greeting of peace is a good place to start any endeavor, I think. Still, when your average Arabic speaker waves her hand and chirps salam, she isn't consciously invoking that radiant state of wholeness we call peace. And neither is the English speaker when he says, peace out, bidding you farewell. Peace out just means goodbye. Itself a word that we rarely connect to its origins. God be with ye. Assalamu alaikum, or salam, ordinarily mean hi. When he entered the room where his disciples were laying low, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. That is, hi. How do you imagine Jesus's tone of voice? I don't think it would be too cheery, like, hi there, did you miss me? I don't think it would be too casual either. Uh, a hi, sweetie, with a quick peck on the cheek. Maybe his voice was soothing. Hi, hey, it, it's okay now. Personally, I imagine a moment of stunned silence, not just for the disciples, but for Jesus too. I can feel the two or three tender seconds 
of beholding the faces of his beloved friends. To see them again, what a gift beyond measure. The greeting itself almost gets stuck in the throat. A peace be with you. Hi. That morning, the disciples had heard Mary Magdalene's gospel announcement. I have seen the Lord. Now their very own experience of good news erupts with joy, with lots of hugging and kissing and wincing at those wounded hands. Jesus didn't stay long enough. No amount of time could be long enough. So hungry were they for his face, his voice, his peace. No time could be long enough. But he left again. And before he left, he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit, the power by which we are sent out from every place we hide, the power by which forgiveness blossoms like a tree of life in our midst. Jesus didn't stay long enough because Thomas hadn't returned. While the other disciples huddled behind closed doors in fear that they would be crucified next, Thomas was on the move. No one on this side of scripture knows exactly how Thomas got his nickname, how he came to be called the twin. I like to think that it's because when people saw Thomas caring for others, when they saw him feeding the hungry or defending his neighbor's dignity, they saw a mirror image of his teacher. So they called him Thomas the twin, Jesus's twin. Down the generations, we have called him by a different name, Doubting Thomas. But my friend Trey believes that Thomas's behavior is the exact opposite of doubt. The fact that Thomas refused to hide and chose instead to live out Jesus's way in public, Trey says, that means we should call him Faithful Thomas. I have sympathy for Thomas's doubts. And I believe that he is good company for us. People trying to be faithful in a time when there is so much to fear. But this time hearing the story, I was stopped by a question. Since Thomas wasn't with the disciples when Jesus appeared, did he not receive the Holy Spirit? Did he not receive 
the spirit of forgiveness. Any other day, I wouldn't think twice about it. After all, like the wind, the spirit flows and rushes wherever she chooses. Except in Thomas's words, I can hear anger and hurt. You saw the Lord? Well, unless I see the nails, the nail marks in his hands, I won't believe. You cluster of cowards hugged him and felt his comforting touch? <laughs> well, unless I put my finger in his wounds left by the nails, I won't believe. How could Jesus possibly appear to you, but not to me, unless I put my hand into his side, I won't believe. Thomas the twin, loyal Thomas, is already rumbling with rancor over the events of the past three days. How could Judas, trusted Judas, sell out Jesus like that? How could the pilgrims gathering for Passover, the festival of freedom, let those Roman oppressors murder Jesus? How could God let any of this happen? And now this, how dare Jesus show up for you but not for me. Thomas is an open wound, raw and weeping. We cannot possibly expect him to entertain forgiveness before he experiences healing. And for all he knows, that healing might be years away. In our reading from the Psalms, the poet ponders, living God, where could I go to get away from your spirit? Where could I go to escape your presence? As a child, this sacred poetry comforted me, especially when my family moved across the country for my parents' new jobs. In the grave, as much as in heaven, God is there. If I could fly on the wings of the dawn all the way to the far side of the sea, even there God's hand would guide me and hold me tight. As a child, it never occurred to me to wonder whether the same God who embraced the farthest reaches of space could infiltrate the depths of my own being. But as an adult, it seems as if the human heart is the most unreachable destination 
God's Spirit. The heart is a warm place for hurt to hide. It is a place where the edges of broken dreams stay sharp and painful. Passionate anger is born in the human heart, but it's easy enough to let that turn into heartburn rather than composting it into the soil of compassion and action. As a child, I didn't think that my heart needed to be guarded. But now I can trace my fingers over the many locks that I've installed throughout the years. I pause at locks that were picked or coaxed open. And I wonder, how do we presume to keep the spirit out of our most secret place? The God whose human heart broke on the cross does indeed pass through locked doors, announcing peace, saying, hi, I'm here with you. Forgiveness, the soothing balm for resentment's burn, it blooms without our choosing, often catching us by surprise. Eight days later, the gospel says, Thomas was with the disciples when Jesus appeared among them, saying hi. What it doesn't say is that after that Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared on Monday. And then Jesus appeared on Tuesday. And then again on Wednesday. And then again on Thursday. And on Friday. And on Saturday. And on Sunday. And then when Thomas woke to another Monday with a heavy heart, Jesus showed up again, and he has never stopped. Jesus keeps breathing on us, the Holy Spirit, promising that if we open ourselves to forgiveness, the heart's healing, then the anger and self-loathing we have stored away can become compost for our lives. And equally true, if we do not forgive, those hurts will be retained. A friend recently shared that one of the most terrifying things about getting sober is that your unhealthy self and all the awful things that your unhealthy self did are always waiting in the past. Waiting in the past and must be reckoned with. My friend knows that 
any resurrection we can hope for happens in the messiness of reality, not by pretending or ignoring. And so with faith and fear in hand, he is attempting to acknowledge his past failures, to make amends, and to forgive himself. As he engages this work, the Spirit speaks peace to him, most recently through the words of Peggy Weymeyer, a former religion correspondent for ABC News. If Jesus showed us his scars, wrote Weymeyer, even after his resurrection, then maybe we can learn to integrate pain and suffering into our lives in a way that frees us from wasting energy spent in denial and shame. My friend has wasted so much time. Now, alive in the spirit, he is putting his hands in the wounds. Such is the grace of Christ, by whose wounds we are healed. Peace be with you, friends. And may your hearts flourish. May your hearts rejoice in the gift of the Holy Spirit, by whose power we might truly live. For such life, for such healing, for such grace. Let us give all glory and all gratitude to God, the love who gave us birth, the love who goes on ahead, love encircling us at every step of the journey.